Way down in Missouri When I heard this lullaby While the stars were blinking And the moon was shining high Welcome to a very special edition of Show Me Missouri, the history of Missouri, one county at a time. I'm in Cape Girardeau County this week, but we're not going to really dive into Cape quite yet. We're going to talk about the history of the state of Missouri, two people that know it better than maybe anyone else. I, Judge uh, Stephen Limbaugh, we are here in your conference. Thank you for the hospitality. I'm not sure I've ever been as, as excited to have someone except until let's have Bob Pretty on in Cole County. Thank you for the time. Well, thank you for coming, Scott. Welcome. Uh, you've not been here to the courthouse yet, uh, I take it, but... Uh, this is one of the few they ain't had me in down here yet. Okay. <laughs> well, w- welcome, and we'll help in any way uh, you need us to. And I'm also joined by a booming baritone that anybody in politics will know this voice without saying it, uh, but but uh, uh, former uh, Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder, thank you for the time. Thank you. Delighted. If somebody does not know who that is without you having to say your name, I question their credentials at following politics. Uh, I got to go last, I remember uh, you spoke at the Lincoln Day in Cole County. And I went back and it was like I was transformed back 15 years to when you were giving those speeches. Uh, Judge Limbaugh, if you could, tell us about the Historical Society. I stopped by the one here here in town. It is a tremendous catalog of records and what a great place to train historians. But, it, but tell me about the Historical Society and maybe even especially the place in Columbia where the real show place is? Well, I had the privilege and the honor to be the president of the State Historical Society of Missouri. And as you know, Scott, we were able to secure funding for a new headquarters. uh, And that was completed a couple of years ago. It's on Elm Street in Columbia. It's a magnificent structure. And it now will house the State Historical Society for the next hundred years. Before that, it was housed in Ellis Library on the ground floor and in the basement for a hundred years. So it was high time that we had a new facility, but Senator Ron Richard and several others were instrumental in getting the funding to build that $38 million facility. And uh, it it will last us for another hundred years, as I say. But down here in Cape Girardeau County, like most counties, we have several different historical mm-hmm. societies or organizations. We have a county archives, we have the Cape Girardeau County Historical Society. We have Heritage Hall, uh, which is a private foundation uh, which uh, focuses on historic preservation. Uh, Across the street from the courthouse here, we have the old original fire station, uh, which is now called the uh, River Heritage Museum. That was the original fire station here in Cape Girardeau. It's been saved and converted. And there are several other entities in town that represent the history of our, our uh, area. For instance, an, another is the Red House, which was Don Lewis Larmer's uh, replica of, of his home down on the riverfront. Mm-hmm. He was the founder of Cape. Uh, Lewis and Clark stayed there on their way up the Mississippi uh, to their ventures uh, throughout uh, the western part of Louisiana territory. Uh, Anyway, that's yet another one. We have several other historic buildings, including our 1854 courthouse, which is still functioning. It was functioning as a courthouse until uh, a year ago, and the city of Cape bought it, and they're converting it to the new city hall with some additions. Then we have a Catholic seminary that was built in 1843, and that has been converted to the Performing Arts campus for the university here. 
We also have a magnificent church uh, downtown called St. Vincent's Church. It was built in 1853, and it is a jewel of a, a church overlooking the river. Then if you go west towards Jackson, there's the old McKendry Chapel. Have you been to the old McKendry Chapel? I have actually. The old McKendry Chapel is the oldest Protestant church still standing west of the Mississippi River. Indeed, it's the oldest Methodist church still standing west of West Virginia. And it, I it is not that, that far from the Bowling of Mill. I want to interject just quickly about the old Catholic seminary overlooking the river that is now the Southeast Missouri State River Campus. And, uh, it was a it was the Vincentian Father that operated that from the 1840s and built it to the 1970s, mid-1970s it finally closed. Mark Twain misidentified it in, in his book, Life on the Mississippi, where he says, at Cape Girardeau, there is a fine Jesuit seminary on the hill overlooking the river. And of course, it's not a Jesuit seminary, it's a Vincentian Fathers. I tell you, I, it's always interesting to me, you mentioned Ron Richard, I don't know the state ever has the capacity to give him the credit that he probably deserves for the capital for this Oregon society. But I, I remember vividly that that river campus probably falls into the river without, at the time, Senator Kinder. It was interesting to watch the German determination that came to making that campus almost brick at a time. Governor Kinder, I, you are a student of history, and this podcast is about history. Give me one of your favorite Missouri history stories. One of my favorite Missouri history stories is from the other side of the state. Uh, and I don't think enough Missourians know much about our, our Civil War history. Uh, um, what brought a railroad lawyer named Abraham Lincoln out of retirement and back into politics was the passage in 1854 of the Kansas-Nebraska Act by Stephen Douglas. Senator Stephen Douglas passed Kansas-Nebraska Act. This said that we would have each new territory, Kansas and Nebraska in this case, vote on whether they would be free states or slave states. He called that popular sovereignty. Lincoln said, you can't do that. We've got to have the new territories coming in as states be free states. We've got to not, we cannot constitutionally abolish slavery, he said, but we can place it, we can contain it and place it on a path to ultimate extinction. He said, if we do, Douglas, his popular sovereignty, which repealed the Missouri Compromise of 1820. The Missouri Compromise in 1820 was Maine gets carved out of, of the state of Massachusetts and enters as a free state, and Missouri is admitted to the Union in 1821 as the northernmost slave state, thus maintaining the balance in the U.S. Senate between slave and free. By passing the Kansas-Nebraska Act in 1854, Douglas bid fair to effectively repeal the Missouri Compromise and allow the expansion of slavery into new states coming into the Union for the West. Okay. This ignited a border war between Kansas, free state, free soil folks who settled Kansas, and Missouri slaveholders. The Civil War could be said to have actually started before Fort Sumter in the 1850s with with awful border raids, uh, slaughter of innocents, guerrilla attacks, burning people's houses and barns. So the Civil War starts in 1861. Missouri, most people know, don't know, 
was number three in battles behind Tennessee and Virginia. We didn't have the enormous epic Shilohs and, and, and Gettysburg and Chancellorsville, but we were number three. Okay, so what happened on the border in 1863? The, the guerrilla war had continued south of Kansas City. There were three counties. Cass, descending from north to south. Cass County, uh, Bates County, and Vernon County, down to Nevada. Those counties were harboring the guerrillas, the Missouri guerrillas, that were burning people's homes and barns and farms in Kansas. And the Union commander, General Ewing, finally had enough of this. And he issued the infamous Order Number 11. Lincoln's uh, uh, son-in-law, correct? No, no. General Ewing uh, issued Order Number 11. Order Number 11 was burn the farms of the Missourians who were holding these, harboring these guerrillas, destroy their crops, burn their homes and their barns, and march them into to what we would today call concentration camps outside Kansas City. Thomas Hart Benton has memorialized this in a painting entitled Order Number 11. It hangs in my office. Yeah, that's amazing. And there was not a home left standing in Cass County uh, after Order Number 11. Okay, now, imagine what that did to the Missourians who were dealt with that way. Fast forward 80 years. Harry Truman, whose mother grew up in one of those counties, Harry Truman becomes president on the death of FDR in April 1945. Harry Truman becomes president. They, he calls his mother and says, Mother, we, uh, we're going to, Bess and I are going to move into the White House, and we uh, thought we'd have you out. We want you to come out on the train and stay with us. She said, well, that'd be fine, Harry. He said, we thought we'd put you up in the Lincoln bedroom. He said, I'd rather sleep on the floor. <laughs> that was Mr. Lincoln's army that had done that to her family. And she, here she was growing up as a child in the immediate aftermath of the Civil War. And that's all she heard about was what Order Number 11 had meant to those families. Those counties, conservative as they can be, did not elect Republicans for almost a century. Think of how many people were brought in from that the, the, the rape and pillaging of Americans by their own government. They called them bushwhackers. Many of them felt justified. The political scientist uh, Michael Barone says, you voted as your great-grandpappy shot. And Civil War voting patterns remained dominant in Missouri until the 1990s. There is a, I will put this in the description of the, of the show, uh, I came across it through Steve Ellman. You and, and now St. Charles County Executive Ellman, former senators together, wrote an opinion piece about this very thing. Can you give the cliff notes on that? We went district by district around the state, including the counties, the burnt counties I just named, Cass, Bates, and Vernon. And we went all around the state to Northeast Missouri, discussed the Palmyra massacre, uh, that kept that district so heavily Democrat. And we concluded, this was published in 2004, after the 2004 election, that the, the Civil War, after 130 years, the Civil War in Missouri was finally over. Because <laughs> the, 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 the enough people had passed away 
that those voting patterns were starting to ease and we were beginning to see the emergence of a solid Republican majority from the Iowa border to Every county I go, I love to, to reread your passage and I've found you look at some of the places where Republicans did better than others and it was Bolivar has done a little better than other places for Republicans, Rollo, Cape Girardeau. Those were railheads or business heads for the Union Army. And it was interesting how they spent so much money with the locals. In Bolivar, they might have been Southern sympathizers, but they were becoming very wealthy, supplying the Army encampments, and they, they stayed calm. Here's the other thing about the Civil War. The legislature, the, the elected representatives of the people, voted to secede and were accepted as the 12th state of the Confederacy in Richmond. Lincoln had just enough of the Union Army and just enough Germans who were naturally free soil pro-Union in the Civil War to keep Missouri barely in the Union. They chased the legislature down to Cassville, I think, mm -hmm. and the vote was probably declared illegal. Isn't that at Neosho maybe down there where they have on the square the vote? The temporary state capital. Yeah. I thought it was Castville. In, in, in the State Historical Society has the minutes and the records of the Confederacy uh, state of Missouri. And those gentlemen were elected by the Union. Do you think if they would have left the, the regular legislature in office and there was a vote, how would that vote have turned out? I don't know. It was pretty much rigged for the Union. Yeah. It, it wasn't going to. There, there was no way the union had too much firepower to. Uh, and of course, the governor, the governor resigned his governorship and took a commission as general in the Confederate Army. And a previous Missouri governor also became a general, Sterling Price, in the Confederate Army. So I mean, we were mostly Confederate, overwhelmingly. Actually, it was one of the ones. Well, Peter, I, I disagree. You. Remember your friend Steve Elman, all that German immigration came, sure. and that really made it more than 50 50. Yes, and, but they were localized uh, in the St. Louis area and along the two rivers. And outside that, it was Confederate, except for mm -hmm. Southwest Missouri. Well, by that time of the Civil War, we had a big immig German immigration, even down here in Cape Girardeau County. Yeah, more along the river. That's all my Yeah. Point. I've read a lot of accounts where Sterling Price initially wanted to find a way to stay out of it. And General Lyon was so over the top and so pushy that Sterling Price left the meeting saying, we have to arm ourselves because this guy's gonna slaughter us. Now that's kind of maybe revisionist history for some, but I have been to Mexico City and I've been to the place. They, they, they don't have a marker for it, but uh, General Price's army was defeated all the way down into Texas and he figured he better get out of the country. So they go to Mexico, and Emperor Maximilian was on the throne. And he offered his army to Emperor Maximilian. And he, they finally thought, well, that might be a bad idea to have this very well-armed veteran now, a United States military, harboring fugitives. He came home. You know how, you know how many votes Abraham Lincoln got in the election of 1860 in Little Dixie County, Boone County? Did he get on the ballot? Clay County, Boone County, probably St. Joe, probably Buchanan County, Audrain County. Zero. Zero votes in Boone County. Did they allow him on the ballot in some of those counties? No, no. <laughs> I think he was on the ballot. 
That's an interesting thing. I mean, I, there was um, in Sheridan County, there was one vote for him, and, the, and there was a note that they think they know who this person was, and he did not stay for the war. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the Missouri way of life. We're for worrying less about the what ifs and more about the why nots. We're for checking off your bucket list and then making a new one. We're starting a family, a business, a tradition. And if you find yourself starting over, we're here for that too. We're for building a life in Missouri and then going out and living it. And when it comes to making sure everything you've built is protected, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance. Uh, Judge Lamar, is there a good, uh, give me your favorite Missouri history story. Well, I can go on a long time like Peter did about the Civil War era, but let me change pace a little bit. When Missouri came into the Union as part of the Louisiana Purchase, all of the Missouri Territory, the Louisiana Territory, it was all Catholic because the French and the Spanish wouldn't allow any Protestants. But once the Louisiana Purchase came into play, then the Protestants started coming over, especially the Baptists and the Methodists, especially the Methodists, and they were called circuit riders. And that's why I mentioned earlier before, Old McHenry Chapel is the oldest Protestant church still standing west of the Mississippi River. The Methodist circuit riders brought to the wilderness a modicum of civility and religion, of course. And some education. And some education as well. And the, the Baptists did the same thing, only not in the same way. The mission of the Methodist circuit riders, and this had happened before in the earlier generation in Kentucky and Tennessee and Ohio and Illinois, but the mission was to go where the people were migrating to. And they followed the settlers to the farthest points that they could find them, all down the uh, Little Dixie of the Missouri River and all throughout uh, the settlements, the new settlements post-Louisiana Purchase in Missouri. And Cape Girardeau especially was one of those settlements. St. Louis, St. Genevieve, St. Charles, they were all heavily Catholic because of the French influence. Cape Girardeau was not that way. It was much more cosmopolitan. As a matter of fact, one historian said Cape Girardeau County, which was one of the first five counties, was the most American of all the counties because it had a bigger cross-section of people. They had plenty of French, like the, the uh, founder, Don Lewis Larmer, but they had a lot of Scots-Irish, people who had been given land grants. And then once the uh, Louisiana Purchase came, then there was a flood of people from all over um, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia, uh, North Carolina, and elsewhere that were coming in. Americans, they were Americans, they weren't French. So anyway, the Methodists started this movement and they brought culture to the frontier and the Methodists were such a powerful entity during the antebellum period in Missouri. They were the largest non-governmental organization in the state of Missouri and nationwide and we're pretty progressive up to the correct? time up to the time of the eve of the civil war in 1860 in fact the methodist church was the largest religious denomination by far in the nation in the nation 2 or 3 million uh, adherents more than the baptists who were in second place and several million more than the roman catholics and the presbyterians who were next in line now, the reason I say this is because the Methodists 
had a precursor to the Civil War because the Methodist Church in 1845 and 18, 1844 and 1845, the Methodist Church nationwide split just like the nation would do 16 years later in 1861. The Methodist Church split into over slavery and Missouri was a microcosm and Cape Girardeau County was a microcosm of Missouri because the Missouri Methodist split most going south, the Methodist Church South, which could, uh, they, they, they dealt with slavery as uh, most of the southern states did. But the main uh, faction of the Methodist Church, the main denomination is called the Methodist Episcopal Church. Old McHenry Chapel stayed with the North Church in the split. Most of the Methodist churches in Missouri stayed or went with the South Church and not with the Methodist Church, but the divisions were bitter. And as these churches split up over the issue of slavery, it was just like it happened 16 years later in the Civil War where actual families would split. Some Methodists would go South and others would stay with the North Church. And that's always been a remarkable microcosm and the same thing happened with the Baptists, Southern Baptists, and they had a split. That's when the SBC Southern Baptist Convention. Well, that was recently. I'm talking. This was in 1844 and 1845. They split over slavery, also. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. My favorite history was when I was in Jefferson County, and they talked about how Herculaneum was the old county seat. And if you listen to this podcast, you'll know county seat fights are one of the oldest, bitterest fights. People died in McDonald County over it. There's been uh, families never spoke again. They did a they they wanted to have a more centrally located place, so they wanted to move from Herculaneum. There was a ballot measure put on the ballot to move the county seat to at the time called Monticello, and it lost by three votes. And they counted the votes. This was a thing that was on in August. They counted the votes. It lost. They recounted the votes by happenstance in February, and it passed by two votes. So the county seat moved to Monticello. So if they couldn't move it to Monticello because Lewis County already had Monticello. So there was a statute that you couldn't have a county seat named another one. So they changed the name to Hillsborough, resubmitted it, then they burnt the ballots immediately. So, and, so what you had in the 19th century, it was necessary to place the county seat somewhere in the center of the county because you had a constitutional right to, to ride your horse or your buggy from your farm to the county seat, <coughs> transact your essential legal business Pay your taxes, and return home in a day. So the county seat of Cape Girardeau County is not Cape Girardeau, it's Jackson, which is much closer to the middle of the... Well, and there was another reason, now we're getting parochial, but talking about Cape Girardeau County, but the other reason that Jackson was the county seat, named the county seat in the territory in 1815, six years before statehood, was because in Cape Girardeau, the land grants were all Spanish land grants handed down through Don Lewis Larmer, the founder. And after from the Louisiana, yeah, after the Louisiana Purchase, those land grants, the validity of them were very much up in the air. There was huge litigation and it was not resolved until the mid 1820s uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court. And so as a result, in order to get free title or clear title to the land, you had to go outside of the environs of Cape Girardeau. And so a settlement arose in Jackson, Missouri, 
uh, where people could get their title cleared. To Called the Bird Township. Yep. It was not Jackson until Andrew Jackson had one. Right. Bird, B-Y-R-D, Bird's Township. I saw Mr. Warmer, am I saying that right? This is my Butler County tongue friend. Yeah. His, his claims were actually ratified by Congress. It was recognized by Congress. He had to go all the way, I guess, that maybe that's even faster than going through the courts. But I saw there were two there were two uh, two acts of Congress that were included, his, his land grants were included in. Well, uh, there was still so much litigation that, that the land titles in Cape Girard itself were not cleared until really the 1820s or so. Well, I want to thank both of you for uh, a little walk down Missouri history. As it's been shown, Missouri, I want to thank the Farm Bureau of Missouri letting us come here and talk about the history of the state, along with the Missouri Association of Counties and the Missouri Association of Electric Co-ops letting us come and visit about the history of the state. You'll find no two people that know more about it than uh, Governor Peter Kinder and uh, Judge Stephen Limbo. We'll be back next week with the history of Cape Girardeau County.